Testing, testing, one, two, three. Good morning. This is Haley Crusher Kane. I am coming to you from my kitchen table in the morning hours on a overcast September day in San Luis Obispo, California. I'm having my tea this morning and have been so excited all week to do this first Crusher talk for you guys. I don't want to bore you with a bunch of technical details, but I will tell you a few things before we get started. And by started, I mean I've already pressed play and there's no returning. There's no coming back. There's no editing. It's literally press play, press stop, publish. Mm, I love that. I love that. (laughs) I have no... um, I have no channel for my anxiety to edit or tweak or make it perfect, and that is just so punk rock, and I love it. Well, we'll see if I love it. We'll see if you guys love it, because I'm already rambling. Um, As you might know, might not know, I do have a podcast called Sparkle and Destroy Podcast. I started it in 2016, shortly after Trump was elected, because I felt a lot of nervous energy to do something. Not necessarily, not necessarily political, but just to be a person in the world with a voice. And I thank him for that. I went on to interview a lot of cool people, a lot of cool musicians and artists and friends, and my mom. And um, I loved it. I was doing it once a month on good years, you know, once a month. That's, that's as much as I could do it. But during COVID uh, 2020, I think a lot of things fell by the wayside for a lot of people and the having to interview people and editing it and doing it all alone, it's very isolating. Um, I have decided that Sparkle and Destroy podcast will continue with my co-host, Danielle the Murr Crusher Bagnall, who, as you may know, is uh, a feature in some of our music videos and a great friend of the Crusherverse and an interesting person and a librarian. So that podcast will be retooled and that will be out in you know iTunes and all the places you get podcasts, hopefully by October. But this is independent of that. It's irregardless of that. I just wanted to let you guys know because this is sort of like a podcast format. Um, what I like about this with Substack is... Only you guys, my special Crusherverse friends, my my beautiful, beautiful uh, crushers from around the world uh, who are on my email list, you guys get this. Nobody else gets this. Certainly someone could sign up for it, but I'm sending it out to you guys because you guys are cool. And as much as I say it's like a talk show, like Crusher talk, like we're all going to talk and, you know, I'm really just talking at you. So <laughs> no shame if you want to unsubscribe. In fact, I had a long conversation recently with a friend about the joys and beauty of blocking and unsubscribing in this world, this exact world that we're in right now, 2021, we are inundated and signed up for things and sent things so frequently. It's Isn't it mind-boggling how quickly we decide it's okay? We're like, oh yeah, like my sock, the, the place I got my socks is going to send me like three emails a day. And then eventually you go, wait, I actually don't have to get this email. At least that's me anyways. I, I sometimes slide into the into the muck of this digital age and I just don't realize I have agency. So you have agency, dear listener. 
you can unsubscribe from this without unsubscribing from the newsletter. Um, You can unsubscribe from both. I'm cool with that. All right. So I had been thinking this week about stuff I wanted to talk about with you guys. And it's just the weirdest, weirdest list of things. So bear with me here. Um, Recently, my my dog, Dr. Kane and my dog, uh, Peyton Manning, because uh, he's a big, big man. He's really just a Cheweenie. He's a tiny little Cheweenie dog. He's gotten on Prozac. Now, I never thought I would be the kind of person that has a dog that is on uh, antidepressant, but that is me now, and I think it reflects on my dog as well as myself. But um, speaking of 2020, I think a lot of people have experienced the separation anxiety, right? I don't know if you guys have experienced this with your pets, but uh, we had our dog Mavis Crusher. Unfortunately, we had to put her down um, this spring. So that was unfortunate. But I think a combination of Peyton Manning being alone without his companion, as unsavory and mean as his companion was, we all know she was a terrible, terrible terrier. Or if you don't know, she was the scruffiest, meanest little spitfire of a dog that you would ever meet in your life with a little white mohawk. She was really unpleasant in so many ways, but God, we loved her, especially Dr. Kane. He absolutely adores and adored that dog. Um, but yeah, being away, um, also being here all the time, I work from home, but you know, we weren't going out to do fun things. So it was just a lot of nonstop time with me. And now that things, well, when things did open up a bit over the beginning of the summer, as you guys remember, doesn't that feel like it was 20 years ago? Going out to a barbecue, you know, it would set him off and he would just howl and cry. And we even had one Airbnb guest. We have an Airbnb here at the Crusher Compound. Um, text me and say, your dog is howling, and but please don't hurt him. Because it seemed like we were abusing this dog because the way he was howling, it was just, it's, it's pretty dramatic. Oh, it's time for, okay. So... I have to pause really quick because the geese have just flown overhead. This is a magical time in San Luis Obispo, California. This is the time when the geese uh, fly in the morning and at night over the house and they make their honking noise and it's magical. Also, it is the time of the naked ladies falling down. I don't mean that literally. There is a flower with a large brown trunk kind of stem that's it's big and it's like a cylinder and there's no leaves. It's very strange. And these pink, big pink flowers, kind of fleshy, fleshy colored flowers. And they kind of come up, I want to say, um, in early August. And then they kind of flop over and they're called naked ladies. Either they're called naked ladies or Dr. Kane has told me they were called naked ladies and I just never looked it up. But now I suspect someone will Google it. So the naked ladies are falling down. They're dying. They're on the ground. It sounds very poetic. The tomatoes are at their final destination. Um, tomatoes. Y'all did tomatoes? I really keep messing up with the tomatoes this year. Um, 
there was a time, a simpler time, when the tomatoes would go in the ground and they would be healthy and happy and we would get lots of them. And then we started to get fancy. We started to put them in buckets. We started to put them in these steel containers, these sort of trough-like things. And, you know, I think the heat from that is not, um, it's just not working for them. It's not working for them. Also, we left for about a month. We left for about a month <laughs> in July and going into August. Uh, we went for a month-long van venture throughout the West Pacific Northwest and a bit of the Southwest to see friends and family. And there was a gap in the watering. There was definitely watering happening. Shout out to Shane Bagnall for coming to water these tomatoes. We appreciate you. But Tomatoes require a little bit more love than that, and they were in a very, very sunny place. And as you know, California can get extremely hot and dry. So as much as we have had less tomatoes, I've still made do. It still feels like the beginning of September, which means heirloom tomato fig pizza and lasagna with fresh tomatoes and pasta with pesto and fresh tomatoes on top and all that stuff. So I can't complain too much, but I know tomatoes were a thing that I saw pop up a lot more during COVID around my own neighborhood. Um, even people putting tomato plants in their front yard, which I love. I feel like yards are so unnecessary and silly and just, they're the worst. You got to water. Why do you need a lawn? Plant some damn plant. Plant some tomatoes. Plant something you can eat. So it was kind of cool. Um, I've had neighbors that have suddenly had pumpkin patches in their front yard. They've had not one, but like many prolific potato, tomato plants, um, squash. I don't know. It's cool to see. I like it. I feel like this might be what it's like to live in a little village in Europe with just people with their little gardens. I want to say what country is that? I think that's a lot of countries. Just America is behind. Um, so that's the garden update. Um, sorry to bore you with that, but I mean, if you're not growing tomatoes or making sourdough or, I mean, some of these things had to have lingered on from the COVID time, right? We're still in the COVID time. And we thought we were done with that. We put the sourdough starter away or whatever. But you know what? We're looking down the face of another long, possibly forever situation. And I don't mean to alarm anyone. Um, forever is a terrible thing to think about in any context, even for good stuff. But... Uh, I don't know when I'll be able to connect with people really. I mean, we're going to have a show next week and we have something lined up in November in LA, but we're not booking tours. We're not booking trips. That van tour that we took, that van trip was expertly timed. Thank God we did that because it's interesting as we went on our way up to Seattle and up to Portland and over to Montana and Colorado and stuff. <clears throat> we were we were we were traveling at the exact time that things were really hitting the fan again. So on the road we witnessed so many interesting just interesting things about the debate over COVID-19 and what's happening including bars for the first time um requiring vaccination cards which I think is great. I think it puts a lot of pressure on people that aren't getting vaccinated. But it was quite interesting to be at a bar one night and then the next night they had the um, vaccination card thing. And then um, traveling through a place like Arizona 
where you would think that COVID-19 never happened, you know, um, especially um, in some of these more impoverished areas um, that we were traveling through. It makes you wonder what kind of uh, knowledge, what kind of news sources they're getting out there um, culturally, what they're being told, especially folks on the reservation. Um, it's interesting. I mean, it's I didn't think that I was going to be traveling that extensively during this pandemic. I hadn't done anything, gone anywhere, you know, since before COVID. Um, and because things were opening up and people were getting vaccinated and I was vaccinated and Dr. Kane was vaccinated, it felt like it was a bit of freedom that we could afford. But very shortly into the trip, we realized this, this may not be great. <laughs> and uh, we're looking into the future and knowing that a lot of our life is going to be lived back here in California, in our, in our home, in our community, in our neighborhood, in our cul-de-sac, on our street. You know, our worlds are getting small again. And it's nice to have something like this to connect with people, not just people, but with our people, people we would be so happy to see on the road and so just excited to like meet and learn more about and communicate with. So yeah, that brings us to the cul-de-sac. Um, if you hadn't heard our single cul-de-sac, uh, <laughs> we do live on a cul-de-sac in San Luis Obispo, California, and um, it's quiet and sunny and pretty and old. The, a lot of the houses are built in the 60s, um, big yards and I run and walk in the neighborhood every day, and it is a wonderful place to come back to. During COVID-19, um, Dr. Kane and I created a, co a competition where at night we would walk by this particular orange tree in our cul-de-sac and uh, pull two oranges off of it, and we would um, roll them down the street and see who could get the farthest, and that was like our COVID bowling you know, and I just think that's, it's just so symbolic for the life that we live now and, and what we expect versus what we expected. Um, it's, it's been a long journey to get to a place of acceptance that the tours and the traveling and all the big dreams and stuff were, were, were unrealistic. <laughs> they were unrealistic from the get go, but we still somehow with DIY scrappiness, um, and Dr. Haynes' endless ingenuity with van life and driving and me booking and him making flyers and all the people that have helped us along the way coming together. It was all just a total pie-in-the-sky thing. I think being in a band and trying to pursue that lifestyle is a crazy idea regardless, but after the COVID-19 situation... It was a it was a long dawning of this is this is just gonna be it for a while. And I have to say, it's okay. Because we get to make music and we get to write and collaborate and use our imaginations and connect with you guys, <laughs> if not in a very um, you know, trite way. I mean, this really is something we can do. Maybe not trite, maybe that's the wrong word, but um, definitely not the same as being in a sweaty venue, like everyone's bodily fluids 
<laughs> Doesn't that just sound like a COVID-19 disaster? It just sounds like a disaster. It, the idea of being in a small room with people's particles flying everywhere just doesn't doesn't that just boggle the mind? It boggles my mind. Um, we're heading down to LA to do some recording at Kitten Robot Studios. We're excited about that. That's happening this weekend. I think we're going to stop in Malibu on Friday and camp with our friend Leslie and just, I don't know, maybe do some surfing. We might stop at Refugio. Uh, I have a wetsuit and Dr. Kane is a surfer. I just have a wetsuit. So I go in there and flop around like a drunk seal so that may happen. Um, we're excited to record. We got some new songs, working on the new album. Um, very exciting stuff, uh, vocal stuff. We, we did a most of the um, instrumentation remotely. It's been a good partnership with them. I just feel like, hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, like what we're doing, I'm really enjoying. I hope you guys are enjoying it too. Um, the new singles that have been coming out, She Drives, Cul-de-Sac, so yeah, you can expect a new one, um, not to get too into the weeds with the music stuff, but that is going to be fun. And I'm especially, especially looking forward to having a brunch with some of the Kitten Robot crew on Saturday morning. Um, I've worked quite, uh, quite a few times with Paul in the studio, but I've never met Josie Cotton in person. <laughs> Isn't that wild? It's so funny how you can feel so connected to people and never meet them. We have a great connection and a friendship already. And we have a kindred uh, sense of weirdness. Um, she's a weird and cool person. And I'm excited to go and have a little brunch with them before we record on Saturday. That'll be really fun. I, the idea of being part of a label that would do stuff like that is very heartwarming to me and sweet. Um, DIY and small labels. This is this is a small label. Kitten Robot's a small label, but it's populated by people from other labels who know about the industry. So we got a guy from Triple X Records and a gal from Epitaph, formerly, and just people that have been in the industry for quite a while. Um, some older people that have just kind of been around for a while, and I think that is kind of cool to experience and to be kind of a fly on the wall and to learn from. Um, I love my friends' labels that are smaller and are more scrappy and kind of exist in a sense that they are there to elevate their friends' bands. I think that's, I mean, that is like the heart of DIY and punk rock, and I love that. Um, but feeling like we're part of a label that's just has a little bit more, um, I mean, hey, Getting together for breakfast. That's simple, right? But I've never done that with any label that I've worked with. So it's exciting. I think it'll be really nice to do that. Um, I did want to bring up something that I thought was kind of funny, which is you guys know what dad noises are, right? It's like when you sit down. Here, let me let me try to do one while I drink my tea here. Like that kind of thing. Dad noises, like just extracurricular noises that do not need to be there at all at all times. Well, Dr. Kane, my husband slash bass player slash life partner, has told me that I am now making mom noises. And I'm not sure I'm ready for that, you guys. <laughs> I am making a lot of sighs, a lot of uh, a lot of bemoaning 
And I think it may have to do with this prolonged stretch of COVID-19 crap. But it could also be just getting older. I don't know. I've, I've actually never heard of the term mom noises, but I like the idea of it being an equal opportunity insult. Like, why should there be dad noises if there's not mom noises? Um, I would like to know if anyone out there has experienced mom noises. I think mom noises are a bit more, <sighs> you know, like a bit more exasperated, whereas dad noises are a little bit more like burping and kind of gross. I don't know. Um, <laughs> apparently there is a, a feed that you can write comments in the Substack, but I'm not going to make you guys do any extra work. I'm just here to like ramble at you on a Tuesday and then you can go and have your day and do whatever the heck you're doing or do what you're doing while you listen. Um, walking, riding, washing, whatever, taking a bath. That's fun. A bath at a podcast. Oh my gosh. But this is not a podcast, nor should it be ever spoken as such. Um, oh yes. I wanted to ask you guys a question. So Again, a question which I'm not sure you can answer, but this, it always amazes me, the stuff that you, like your whole life, you just think a certain thing and nothing has challenged that thought. You just think that thing and you think everyone else also thinks that thing. There was a, um, I think it was a This American Life episode where Ira Glass was talking to somebody who really thought unicorns existed and it was because it had just never come up. Like it just said, I don't know how it just had never come up. And so this person found themselves in a cocktail party type setting talking about unicorns. <laughs> I may be, um, I may be messing with the plot a bit. Maybe if someone else has heard this episode, but I always had a extremely judgmental and narrow view of this topic. And this topic is something we can all relate to because we've all been here, okay? And this topic is people who leave their shopping carts in the parking lot after their shopping trip, okay? I spent my entire life thinking that people that did not return their carts were terrible, terrible people who must just have no respect for the people that have to clean up after them. And we're creating a chaos-filled and terrorizing world for everybody else. And that it was lazy. I don't know where this comes from because I'm not an I'm not that conscientious of a person. <laughs> and I can be a procrastinator and I like chaos to some extent. So I don't know where this comes from. I don't think it's a childhood thing. I just always thought, like, oh yeah, like good, like normal people. Like literally, normal good people put their shopping carts away and everyone else is a complete asshole. And it's one of those things you never see your friends or family abandon a shopping cart, right? Because you don't really go shopping with your friends and family, do you? I never see my friends and family do this. So I didn't know that, okay, there's a Scientific American article that popped up that has really, sh it has shooketh me. It has shooketh me. It has woketh me to so many things. Um which I shouldn't be surprised because people are so different. Of course, everyone's going to be, of course, this would reflect in even the tiniest things about our lives. But there are several reasons that somebody may leave a shopping cart. 
And they're, some of them are pretty good. And I'm going to read a couple to you from the Scientific American article. Number one, the receptacle is too far from where they've parked their car. That's not a good reason to me, but I guess if you had like disabilities, maybe. Two, now this is a good one. They have a child whom they do not want to leave unattended. I have never in my life thought about that, but that's probably true. A lot of the shopping carts abandoned are probably frazzled moms and dads that are like, I literally have no life left. This this tiny being is sucking away my life force. I must leave the shopping cart. Just leave it. Just leave it. We got to get to soccer practice, right? Okay. Um, the third one, the weather is bad. Now, as a Californian, I mean, I am the Californian. I, I, I... I just never, this is a good example. Like when we were traveling across the country during the summer, which we rarely do, we kind of, we kind of tour more in the spring. We don't really tour in summer or winter because we know the weather's bad, but even knowing the weather was bad, I was like, it's hot, it's muggy. It's, it's kind of horrible. Like it's kind of horrible in other places weather-wise. And I am a smug and privileged Californian because I always forget like we were in Montana, I think we were in Bozeman at a food co-op. We had just gotten food. We were so tired. We were so hungry. We uh, we ran in there, got some food, came back to the van. We're just going to eat really quick and then get back on the road. And before we knew it, there was this crazy um, lightning and thunderstorm. And just, I'm not used to that. Like the rain, just like the sky, just unzipping and just like the ice bucket challenge, um, just dumping down on the van. And, and, the, and just the theatrics of the sky. And like, I was in the van just eating my, my little salad thinking, wow, like this is what people have to deal with in other places. <laughs> this makes me a bad person. I don't know. But um, yeah, if the weather's bad, you're going to leave your shopping cart, right? My whole no shopping cart left behind mentality is rather, um, it's rather extreme, I have to say, and I, but I always thought it was like, why wouldn't you just return the shopping cart? Some poor kid's going to have to come out here and retrieve it. Okay. They have a disability that pro that is prohibitive to easy movement. Okay. We already talked about that. That's a good one. Um, oh, here's the one. Okay. This is the one that my husband thinks the perception that it's someone else's job to collect the carts. Okay. So is there a job at the supermarket that is just collecting carts? I don't, I'm, I mean, I'm a little ignorant, but I don't think so. I think the, the shopping cart people are also stocking and perhaps, perhaps they're doing cashier work. Maybe not. Maybe they're just doing more like the behind the scenes stocking of things. If we all put away our shopping carts, I don't think they would lose their paycheck. They would just do something else. But again, this is my judgment showing. I, I really... I mean, the fact that it's someone else's job, is that really a job? Is that really part of the job title? Um, also, my husband has said, which I think was interesting, if he worked at a grocery store, he would relish the time outside collecting carts because he could think about things. <laughs> he could get exercise and be outside in the sun and not talk to anyone. So that's interesting. I wonder how many people feel that they are of this mind. It's, it's, it's someone else's job to collect the carts. Okay. And then the last one here is 
They're leaving the carts for someone else to easily pick up and use. Now I've done this, but I think there is a method. That method being, you're going back to return your cart, right? You see somebody who's obviously walking alongside you who's going to go to that cart area. You make eye contact and say, hey, you want this? And usually they say yes. So I do like that, but I think you do have to have a point of uh, exchange so that you know that cart is going to go to that person. Like literally like, hey, you want this? And you give it to the person. I don't think just leaving it in some bush or like on a curb is really acceptable for that because, I mean, if everyone does that, that's, I mean, it, there's, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So I wonder how you guys feel. I mean, if you really want to break it down, I guess the world is, is, is comprised of returners, never returners, convenience returners, pressure returners. Now those are people that will return their carts only if someone else is present to watch them do it. Uh, and then child-driven returners. This is all in the Scientific American article. It's interesting. If you just look at these five people, it kind of does break up our world into these five people. <laughs> um, so which one are you? Are you a returner, a never-returner, a convenience-returner, a pressure-returner, or a child-driven returner? Social norms, everybody. Social norms. Um. I don't have much else to report. I've been watching a lot of old movies. Uh, it's quite disturbing how much of the entire genre of old movie is basically based on a glamorous woman becoming over the hill at the age of like 35 or 40 and then not being taken seriously by the rest of the, of the world and the drama that ensues. It's very strange. It's very strange. <laughs> um, I'm enjoying the movies with Elizabeth Taylor. Um, I, I, I've just never really watched that many old movies and I'm starting to really get into them. I think this is a good time to do it as we're looking into fall and winter and perhaps just a lot less touring and traveling and surely, I should say, surely less of all of these things. Um, it's You could just get in your bed. What did I watch recently? I think it was called Gigantic or Giant. It was this long, like over three hour Elizabeth Taylor movie. And she's in Texas, but she's like this little bitchy, um, you know, she's just agitating everybody and, and being just kind of like, I don't know, an agent of chaos in this movie. I mean, she, that's who she is in every movie I'm realizing. And I'm realizing how cool Elizabeth Taylor was, although batshit crazy. Um, also Betty Davis. I'm reading Betty Davis's um, autobiography and wow, what a, what a, what a strong and intense woman, especially for that age, for that time. Um, the thirties through, I guess the thirties through the fifties, she was a silent movie star and then uh, went on to do some really cool parts. Um, I have a list. I have a running list of old movies that was given to me. It started by the podcast, Pop Punk and Pizza podcast, the um, host had me on and he's really into old movies. And so I said, send me like four movies. And they were these great film noir kind of things. And I and I enjoyed it. And it was nice because it was tangible. I'm like, I can watch these movies. And then from there, I asked my friend Jessie, because she's into old movies, what, what movies to watch. And 
I got some kind of more frothy, like Marilyn Monroe and things like that, that are just like fun to kind of sprinkle in there. And now I feel like I'm really um, getting a taste for it. Although you have to really take it with a grain of salt because so much of the dynamics between men and women is is so disturbing. And you want to reach into the TV and be like, no, you don't have to live your life that way. But um, I guess people will watch movies I mean, we still do. Like, I'll watch a movie from the early 2000s, you know, She's All That or something. And it's it's really interesting because you look – you want to reach into the TV and be like, you don't need to hang out with this douchebag. Like, <laughs> you know, um, we're just continually learning and evolving, right? Um, but if you have any good movie recommendations for me, you know where to reach me. I'm on all the social meds, um, although social media is really – I mean, it's a necessary tool, but it's just, it's, yeah, mom noises. Um, this is a lot better, I think, for um, connecting on a more real level. Um, yeah, so I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed my ramble. This has been Crusher Talk number one, and um, I will keep you guys updated on the fate of Sparkle and Destroy podcast. It is not going anywhere. It's going to get better than ever, and we're going to have lots of uh, more artists and interesting people on the show. Um, So I will keep you posted. If you're local, um, San Luis Obispo, Santa Maria, we're playing in Santa Maria on the 18th, and if you're in L.A., We'll be out there on November 9th, which is Dr. Kane and mine uh, eighth wedding anniversary on that night. Isn't that cool? Let's pray it doesn't get canceled because we don't have any other plans. And that just sounds fun to me. Like, let's go play Zebulon in, with Josie Cotton and the Velvet Starlings on our anniversary. I, oh, I love that. So that's the latest on the events. And... Um, I hope you're enjoying the start of September, whether it's back to school or just enjoying the little pleasures of wherever you are planted. Um, I guess that's it. So (laughs) um, I will talk to you guys next time. Signing off. Bye-bye.